0: great so i want to uh dial in on structures for just a second so many times the structure of a deal matters as much if not more than the strategy obviously you need a decent or a good strategy or that's just kind of expected um but if you took an average investment strategy and put a really good structure on it then you can make it an excellent deal but if you took an excellent deal And you let me structure it however I want to, I can make it horrible for the other person, no matter how good the deal is. You can make it so that you get all of the collateral. You can make it so you get all the profits, the other person gets none. You can make it so you get all the risk while you get all the income, where you get your money out first plus profits, and then they finally get their money out. There's many different ways to make it tax efficient for one party, not the other party, et cetera. And this is really overlooked by people raising capital and investing. People are newly liquid they're newly ultra wealthy. They don't think about structure most most of the time. They'll see an offering from someone, decide if they want it or not, and then just invest. And they rarely negotiate the structure. The savviest of families and those raising capital are very smart on structure, but it usually doesn't come till after you've done work for seven or 10 years on putting out capital that you realize it's so important. And so the more time you put into thinking through optimization of structure, The better. And it's one of the most high returns ROI that you can get mentally in the investment world is thinking of the right structure. So you can recycle cash without having to give it back to investors after one turn of a deal. If it's structured that way, you might uh, obtain optionality or gain transparency as an investor. You might build trust with an investor because of alignment of interests and the way fees are structured. And one example of this is a deal that we're looking to close on Tuesday next week. Um, I put in a little of my capital. Investors are putting in a lot of their capital. We'll all benefit from owning this asset. It's like a a choke point asset within an investor niche. Um, But they're trusting me to run it. And Family Office Club will get strategic benefits by running it. So to make it fair, I told them, when we go to sell the asset one day, you as an investor, you'll get all of your money back first. Then I get my money back out. And then that way, if we only sell it for a slight discount, what we bought it for, all is all my money. And you'll still get your money back. And that helps de-risk it for the investor to show like, hey, if this doesn't go well, then it's on me not going well. So I should be the one that feels the pain first and be in a first loss position on that deal because I don't expect it to go poorly. Um, And so that's just one example in real time of how structure can be super important. We have other deals where we've structured it where we were going to give a 2x return uh, to the family. Um, but we are able to structure it so there's 100% bonus depreciation the first year. So they get 100% negative K1. They put in 300000 They get a negative K1 of 300000 that first year. It effectively makes it so they only put in, say, $200,000 then. Um, and because of that, we were only needing to give them a 1.5 times return over the five to seven years, not a two times return, because with that tax benefit uh, kept in mind, they were getting effectively a 2.3 times return. So it didn't cost the person who needed the capital 2.3 X, but it gave the person uh reason at that, that potential benefit. Many investors like it because it will allow them to kick the can down the road. And then next year they'll find another negative K one uh, deal or another, they'll do a real estate deal and do cost segregation and they just do a year by year planning or do a solar project that has credits, et cetera. So some investors that are newly liquid or worth, Um, the, the one to 5 million range will have no idea what any of that stuff means, but, uh, many sophisticated investors will, will lean forward when they hear that they're going to get this tax benefit, uh, this year, especially when it comes to Q4, uh, people start thinking about what they owe for taxes for the year. And maybe they're starting to do their planning. A lot of people don't do that proactive planning too early in the year. Um, so that can be one way to attract investors to make deals super tax efficient, um, and yeah, that's, that's just one example. Um, other ways that we've structured deals related to this slide is that um, many times we try to make it so that the investors get paid back off of the gross revenue of a company and not off the profits. Um, if the person raising capital is confident about their business, um, the investor wants to be confident about getting income back off the table consistently and not just hoping that a company will be profitable this quarter or this year. So we usually structure monthly or quarterly gross revenue royalties and deals that we structure. And we've done a dozen gross revenue royalty deals now. Um, And we've done a couple of those on the real estate side, but also in operating businesses. And we've found that that is unique and compelling to investors because then they have an income investment and every quarter. It's kicking off that income. Um, And it it doesn't matter whether the company is profitable or not. They're getting that, that income check. So that's something that you can't do if you're a startup and doing a series a and you have no revenue yet of course and there's no royalty to be had um, unless you delay it by 12 months and then the royalty starts you would want to be really sure that you've got that cash flow coming in uh or you're just setting yourself up for some disappointment otherwise so it was um can you give that do you have to give that company-wide to all the investors or is it can you pick and choose what investors get that depreciation um And so I'm not a CPA, so don't go do anything based on anything you hear at any of our events uh, from anyone, really, because it won't be specific for you, of course. But basically what I've learned is that you can set up different membership classes and you could have some investors come in as private note investors. and They're not holding equity. And then that way, they're just getting a 10 percent a year note on the investment, while the equity investors all participate in the depreciation. What that can do, importantly, is not just picking and choosing, it magnifies the depreciation that could go to the equity investors. Let's say if you're buying a million-dollar asset that's going to have a million-dollar negative K-1 somehow, It usually doesn't happen. Um, but if somehow you could, and you raised, um, say, $800,000 from private notes, well, now if somebody came in with $200,000 for equity, maybe they're able to get that negative K-1 for a million-dollar you know, write-off, but you have to You have to make sure that you talk to a CPA and make sure the person knows how to use that and make sure that they have things to offset it against. And anyone who wants to learn more about that, I encourage you to research what it means to be designated as a real estate professional in the eyes of the IRS. Um, If you're a spouse or you are, then it allows you to treat depreciation differently based on active versus passive income and group things differently. And it it gets more complicated from there. But yeah, there are ways to have either different membership classes, or somebody has a um, a note versus equity, et cetera. Somebody came to the family office club recently and they said, "Hey, I've heard you guys have five percent capital, and that your investors are happy with five percent capital." You know, uh, even before inflation, you know, went crazy, nobody wanted just a five percent return on their money. You know, um, so I would say that if the investment is very secure and they, it's it looks like you're very unlikely to lose money. Like, for example, is it Len? Is that right? Yep. So, for Len, for example, um, his company has done over, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 800 hard money loans. Out of 800 hard money loans, uh, 21 of them have had to go into some sort of foreclosure out of 800, so 2%. And no investor lost a single dollar of capital out of 800 transactions. You know, that could change, You know, the economy could go down, things could get harder, you know, um, you can't guarantee people aren't gonna lose their money, but in that type of investment, then maybe someone is gonna be, or something even safer, maybe investors would be okay with a 7, 8, 9, 10% return or being capped at an 11 or 12% return and there's no way to make more than 12%, et cetera. <laughs> But if somebody's taking more risk and the company could go down, something could happen with inflation rates and uh, or a World War III, et cetera, uh, then people are typically looking for that 11%, 12% IRR up to 15%, 17%. If it's more risky, like real estate development, 20% plus, um, et cetera. So just depends on the type of investment. Shorter duration feels less risky to investors, more collateral. Uh, less risky. And it's a I'm glad you asked that question because one of the most important things about this slide that costs nothing to investors to ask, but they rarely do, um, is many times deals are structured and thinking through the worst case scenario and how do you put up a little bit of collateral so that they're assured they're going to get their money back. Like on a healthcare deal recently, um they didn't have a lot of equipment. But if they shut down their business today insurance receivables would roll in for two or three months afterwards and collectibles would come in from insurance companies for that health insurance uh, physician group and so they're writing into their deal that if something happened to the company the investors get the uh, first take at those insurance receivables to make them whole so if you can add collateral to your deal and make investors feel like they are safe because of equipment or hard assets or real estate just to at least get them their money back off the table, the income they've gotten to date, plus at least getting their principal off the table, then they're gonna invest much faster than if you don't do that. And if you're confident that you're not gonna go belly up, then you know, what's the cost really of making those investors more comfortable? Obviously, um, it's good to avoid ever having to do personal guarantees and recourse loans with banks and things of that nature. I definitely wouldn't suggest uh, doing that because sophisticated groups that I know avoid that you know, at all costs. But trying to structure it so it protects the investor makes you able to raise capital faster.